The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Brogut on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Analysis and uh, many, many years of experience providing financial solutions to individuals. I also have with me today my co-host, Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Hey. We are uh, putting this show together to share financial information, financial planning, investment strategies that we believe will help our listeners make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, we'd love to hear from you live as we are recording um, live or airing, broadcasting live today. No recording. Again, from the empirical to- high atop the Empirical Tower That's right. in Seattle, Washington. Uh, our number that you can reach us on if you have any type of investment or financial planning question We'll do our best to answer it on the show here. If we need to do some additional research, we'll certainly let you know that. Uh, we are not ones to give out uh, back-of-the-envelope advice lightly, I guess you could say, Ethan. Right. So we want to make sure we know what we're talking about. But uh, give us a call at 866-472-5790. That's 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine zero. If you call us, we'll get you connected and on the program right now. You can also shoot us an email, and we can just read your question right on uh, on the air here. If you just shoot us an email while the show is going on today, at contact send the email to contact at empiradio.com. Simon, are you uh, monitoring that vigilant, uh, diligently and vigilant with vigilance? Ethan? <laughs> exactly. You better believe it. Uh, contact at empiradio.com. Today, Ethan, I uh, thought we could just kind of go through a little market update, talk a little bit about I uh, got my copy of uh, Money Magazine here, and I love just flipping through this on the air and talking about all the great ideas or not-so-great ideas that they have sure. listed and, and getting your feedback on whether it's a good deal or a bad deal? Sounds good. So I know you wanted to also talk about uh, a little bit about market volatility and uh, maybe you had some other ideas that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, a couple of two other things besides that. Uh, maybe two or three other things. Yeah. I don't know if we'll have enough time to cover them all, but... Well, who knows? We'll see how it goes. On a uh, on a on on another level, if you're a personal individual investor out there and uh, you're looking for some help, how do we do that, Ethan? 
talk to us. Well, first things first, uh, you'd, us have, through it. you'd have to give us a call here. Uh, if you don't want to call us on the air, that's fine. You can call us here uh, directly at our Seattle office headquarters, which is it's HQ. That's right, 800-923-4307. And, um, yeah, if you're an individual investor looking for some uh, unbiased financial guidance, uh, whether it be investments specifically or a variety of financial planning issues, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to, to watch the process to, to help out. Mail call. Gather around, everyone. All right. Um, Do we actually have a mail? A letter of some kind? Or sure. Email? Well, we'll take letters, faxes, smoke signals. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Telegrams. All right. <laughs> yeah, and then also, okay. if you're uh, an investment professional out there looking to, to partner up with a, a well-established firm uh, such as us, we would love to hear from you as well. Uh, over the years, we've quite it. a Shake it. a very good infrastructure for helping clients, and it will allow you to focus more on your relationships with your clients and help you build your business. So feel free to give us a call as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a little something. Uh, there's there's no financial situation too small for a financial giant like yourself, Ethan, to right. take on is what you've said before, that sure. we're here trying to help everyone. So that's part of the idea with doing the radio program and uh, what we're trying to do with our company. You know, we don't work on a commission basis. We don't sell things or products. So we will make it work out for you if you need to get through a financial decision um, or you want to have somebody that you can connect with and maybe you don't have millions of dollars um, to, ha- to have managed in a professional investment management situation. But right. you just, you're just you somebody trying to build enough wealth and you're just getting started out. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's the case. We can help you. So let's talk. I think that sounds good. And hey, you know, we've—is this our third live show or, or our fourth live show? I'm losing count of the shows already. But yeah, main point is this. Uh, What's the point? We have yet to have somebody call in, and I would love today uh, to be that day. Oh, righty. So uh, I want to offer a copy of my one of my favorite, you know, signed by you. You're going to autograph the inside. The sure, jacket. I'll sign it. I don't care. I'll do yeah. whatever it takes. I, I would. Uh, I but I'd love to have be... a listener. Uh, I like to know. I like to know somebody's out there. Um, listen to the show at least a little bit and um, you know would like some help. And so I'd love to hear a question or via email or uh, a call in listener. That'd be fantastic today. So what you're saying is we've had a lot of this so far. It's been a lot of crickets. Um, and uh, you're, 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 you're hoping to change that around. That's exactly what I'm saying. You want to know that there's people out there that, that uh, really do care about their financial situation. There's got to be some some something that you know so you have a, a burning question that you need an answer to. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're the people to, to help out with that. Okay. Number again is 866-472-5790 is the hotline directly to us right now. Give us a call. All righty then. Um, all right, Ethan, let's uh, let's talk about some some of the ideas that you had. Uh, market before we do though. Okay. Market was up uh, today again. It's up yesterday. And uh, though we didn't have a show yesterday, so but uh, it got clobbered the oh. other day. So it's a why does that clicking keep happening? Um, it's a virtual uh, roller coaster it does, ride. It, does a, it sometimes feels that way. I, I can't argue that. And just an observation, I uh, you know uh, was speaking with an investor about you know, when you're using a, a globally diversified approach to investing, which is what we we. Uh, 
recommend um, certain components that decline faster. So we've got this Greece, Greek crisis going on with the whole referendum situation, and I'm yep. sure you know it's easily most people are aware of what's going on with that to some extent or degree. And uh, but what you notice is on those down days that the merging markets and the small caps and international small caps and those kinds of things get hit pretty hard. They got clobbered the other day. Um, and when things bounce back up, we have these positive days. A lot of those days you see those very same asset classes being the ones to recover That's right. um, the quickest. And I think when we talk on the show about some of the mistakes that investors make and a lot of this behavioral finance uh, what they tend to do is sell things that have gone down the quickest or in the most recent periods of time and in, a, in an emotional reaction to that, saying, hey, these are the dangerous areas. And um, the tough part about that is that they tend to then miss out on the very asset class that, that goes up the most subsequent to them selling out of that to pursue what's been doing better recently. Right. So be aware of that, I guess. Go ahead, Ethan. Yeah, all right. We could, let's talk about this market volatility thing uh, yeah. just for a minute. Yeah, it's here. a wild ride. Um, I, I've got the question quite a bit over the years, especially the last couple of few years. Um, boy, it sure seems like the market's more volatile than it, it ever has been before. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I've often wondered that myself. Is it uh, obviously the, the numbers are are larger? You know, the 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 points up and down a particular day do feel larger than the past, and it's probably in no small part due to the fact that we have. The Dow's are relatively higher than they were 10, 20 years ago, right? Right. So that makes rational sense. But on a percentage basis, is that also true? And I'm just wondering, are we at the beach right now? Are we going for a long watch? It's a roller coaster. Oh, it's a roller coaster. All right. <laughs> I thought those were waves uh, hitting the shore. Although if you want to go to the beach later, yeah, maybe um, we can work something out. You and I could take a leisurely stroll. <laughs> Sounds good. Talk about where your head's at. <laughs> so, And it's also been in the financial media uh, over uh, the, the last couple of years especially. And uh, I think, Simon, I need my own sound effects. <laughs> uh, for the next show, I, I demand to have my own sound effects and control over that. All right. So interesting enough, uh, Larry Swedwell. He's the talent, Simon. <laughs> some sound effects. Larry Swedwell. Uh, you love Larry. I do like Larry. He, he writes a lot of good books and has some yeah, good no, He's a good guy. Top drawer. And, uh, and you, you've spoken with Larry many, a couple, several times, yeah, right, in the past? Yeah, he's, he's cool. Yeah. Anyway, he analyzed the period between uh, 1927 and 1999. He was looking for the annual standard deviation of the S&P index for that period of time. And the uh, standard deviation is just one measure of volatility. It turns out that the, for that entire period, the standard deviation was 20.3%. And then from 2000 to 2010, the standard deviation was 20.5%. So... This last decade, it was virtually identical to the previous, you know, 80 or so years. So not not much difference there. He gives good kids bad ideas. I don't know about that, but what I do know uh, next is this: that over a quarterly basis, Larry also took uh, took the time to analyze the data on a quarterly basis. And again, at the same time periods from 1927 to 1999, the S&P uh, had a 11.7% standard deviation, and then from 2000 to 2010, it's only been 9%. So actually lower. Come on. on, a, on a measured on a quarterly basis. No. Surprising, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a little surprising. It's very surprising. It's almost yeah. shocking. 
Because our, our intuition would is, is contrary to this, right? It is. And then looking at the monthly data, which you, you would think would be even more telling, um, it turns out the standard deviation prior to 2000 was 5.7%. And since then, between 2000 and 2010, 4.7%. Actually lower. What? On a monthly basis. Really? Isn't that shocking? This is shocking. This is shocking. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, you know, I was just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, befuddled by this data. A lot of people think that, um, yeah, there it is. That's appropriate. A lot of people think that um, the markets are getting more and more volatile, right? I mean, yeah, that's at least what it seems like. Right. Um, so I guess we got about a minute here. Um, maybe we can take when we come back from the break. Right. While we're on the break, I'd like to talk to you about this data a little bit, and then. Uh, as we always do on this show, I want to talk about what the implications of this information are. Of course. So if it's uh, if that is a true um, situation, I, w- I want to talk about what that means. Right. And, and lastly, uh, he didn't measure the, the daily data because he didn't have the, the information at hand, but okay. I think maybe he'll be looking at that next. Well, yeah, that sounds good. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's Hot Topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Yep. Yeah. All right. And we're back, Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Just before the break, we were talking about the appearance of greater market volatility, and we had been reading um, some words by Larry Swedrow um, on his blog on, on the Internet. And through some different periods of time, annualized or quarterly or monthly, it appeared that the data showed that the recent performance of the stock market for the last 10 years was about the same as it has been historically. And uh, both Ken and I both were pretty shocked about that. You know, maybe part of this, um, Ethan, I, I, um, I like to look at all the different angles on this. And um, we're running, he's running the data on the S&P 500, for example, from 1927 to 1999. Right. Um, and then 2000 to 2010, right? But uh, I think where people are seeing... Uh, I was just saying before we went into this discussion, if you own things like emerging markets or other asset classes, REITs, right, which haven't been around since 1927, yep. um, you're seeing a lot of volatility in those asset classes. I'm not saying there's been more because I actually happen to agree with, with what Larry is saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder sometimes if if um, people are seeing, seeing that and, and then it's giving them the illusion of, well, things are a lot more volatile than in the past. Because certainly the other day when the S&P dropped, um, a little spreadsheet, I think it was down a couple of percent. Yeah. Uh, some of the asset classes were down 6% in one day. Yeah. So that in itself may be up here because global diversification, while it's not embraced to the level that I think we'd like to see or would say is overwhelmingly accepted, it certainly is more so than 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and um, and so when you have those different asset classes, and I know from a, again, we're talking from a behavioral finance situation. I know from the clients and the investors that we talk to, they do have a tendency to pick out the um, asset class of a diversified instead of looking at the portfolio as a whole and saying, as a whole, my portfolio declined or increased by this amount. There is a tendency to focus whatever the time period is that they're looking, whether it's just for the day um, or, hey, I want to look over the last month, quarter, six months. Uh, There is a propensity for us to pull out the extremes, right, and say, well, geez, look how poorly this particular stock or security or group of mutual fund that's tracking this group, look how bad it's done. And look how good this one's done. Why don't we sell that one and get into more of this one? And um, if you only had one, Right, if it only really was the S and P, there'd be less of that going on. So that in any one day, it may appear. And again, I, I'm just this is a, I'm venturing a guess here. Mm-hmm. More about why would we think or why would we perceive there to be more volatility in our portfolios? And maybe it's because we are including, if you know, advisors have been and academics have been recommending as time has gone on to include more and more 
into asset classes into your investments. You know, again, 40 years ago, having a, a handful of United States stocks was was uh, was not called into question. I guess you could say it was a more standard thing to do. Right. Sure. Right? Less than 40 plus years ago, and you keep yeah. right. So having a basket of U.S. stocks. Wouldn't have been, I mean, a, a crazy thing for investors in that time to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what most, even if they were the mutual funds that were around 40 years ago, most of them were not index funds, right? Right. Because we know that the first retail uh, U.S. index fund tracking the S&P 500 wasn't even around 40, uh, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, Ethan, if, if it's a result of, if you're looking at your account, and you say, well, geez, today emerging markets was down 6%. And then you look at it a, a different day, and it's a different asset class that's down that amount. Your portfolio as a whole may not be down any more than it historically has been, right? Right. Then just say the S&P would be. Because that's the case with our globally diversified portfolios. When you think about it and you look at our equity models, if we look at the five worst drawdowns or we look at standard deviation – they're very close to uh, what the S&P 500 has experienced as far back as we can track yeah, that's those right. models, right? Mm-hmm. However, we certainly know that there are components within that group of securities that we hold that any one day, any one month, or even year individually can be down substantially more than the S&P 500. That's right. So if you were just looking at those and pulling them out and not going, well – yeah, emerging markets was down, but the commodities fund was up. Or emerging markets was down, but um, another component, equity component of my portfolio was down less than the general stock market. It would it would give you the feeling, and again, I'm just using the stuff that I've read and my personal experience. I can see how it would give investors the feeling that we are in a much more volatile marketplace. What say you, Ethan? Yeah, I, I'd like to hear your comments. I can't argue with that, and I, I think a lot of folks, you know, they may, whether or not they're looking at their well, own I like portfolio, what you're saying. They're, well, that's true. But they look at the, like the Dow Jones or the S&P 500, right, on a particular day, any given day, as just a measure of the market. And on the money. And those things are going up and down throughout the day, which is which is great, and it makes it easier to keep track of relative to, say, just if you have a bunch of mutual funds, they don't even settle till the end of the day. So if you haven't been watching the news, you don't even know what to expect until they actually close and they, they price those mutual funds out. So uh, I think from from a uh, investor perspective, a lot of folks are also just watching the, the broad indices throughout the day, perhaps. Okay. And relating that, correlating that to what what to expect to see in their portfolio that night when mutual fund prices are updated. So uh, what does that mean again? I'm just saying that a lot of folks that I talk with aren't actually talking about their own portfolio. All right. The uh, peeps. Which is, I guess, true over time. But it, during the day, for example, if you own a mutual fund portfolio, you're, you're – your prices are the exact same as they were yesterday because they haven't closed out yet, right? They haven't priced right. the, the uh. securities inside the funds and, the, and posted the data. So like at Schwab, for example, our clients' portfolios who have mutual funds in them aren't fully uploaded, updated for the price until that evening, even though market you know, closes at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Okay. So they can, But they look at the, the Dow or the S&P and they'll, they'll say they kind of um, can glean what to expect to see in their portfolio based on what the market the, – the market calling the Dow or the S&P the market um, – in their, in their own portfolio. Well, I think the uh, – I can agree with that, Ethan. Sure. Uh, I, w- I will agree with that. And let's get to the implications then. All right. 
Well, I have some stuff here that Larry's written, but um, oh, no, okay, Larry. Uh, but you know, just aside from that for a second, focusing on any of the individual constituent parts of the portfolio and, and making the investment decisions kind of defeats the purpose of having the portfolio, right? You need to look at the it as in its entirety rather than its individual pieces uh, as to I think make a judgment call. Otherwise, you'll be making like you, you referenced it earlier. You're, you're likely to sell the things that have recently done done the worst and keep the things that have recently done the best. And in time, those those trends tend to reverse themselves. So you end up getting kind of kind of hit if you end up end up actually implementing that strategy. So I don't know what your comments are, Ken. My comments about that? Yeah, or what are your ideas? Or should I go ahead and read here what Larry has to say? Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean. What I think is, um, and I think you were alluding to it too, but I'm not sure if it was an overt uh, statement, <laughs> is that um, with in recent times, we clearly have the ability to check prices as frequently as we want. And you were saying like with the indices, right? We sure. can track them on a second-to-second basis. I remember back in the, in the day when I uh, got out of college and was starting my career and working at a firm that um, – it was a big deal to get real-time quotes on securities. You know, you, you either had to have, be a premier client of it, one of the discount brokerages back then. That's right. The, I remember in that. In the 90s when the uh, web information came or you were getting a copy of a trading program. Um, you know, it was a big deal, like, to get real-time quotes. Even when you were a client, you had an account. You didn't – you had to – I remember there was a quote bank that um, – like when I was working with Schwab and I first started with them, right. there was a certain number of quotes you got as a client. Yeah, like 10, 10 free per month or yeah. something like that. Though. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And you could build your quote. Like, so I think it had to do with the more trades you did, you would get more ability <laughs> to have more real-time quotes. Right. And then if you exhausted them, and we used to call you know, when I was on the trading lines, um, we'd call them quote junkies because these guys would call in. And they just want quotes and quotes and quotes. I'm like, well, why do you, why do you, every five minutes you got to check the price of this particular security or that fund? And I think that is really related to the notion of the perception that there's more volatility. Because, again, if we use the home pricing analogy, how many, how many of us check our house price on an every five-minute basis? <laughs> yeah. So even though we know housing now, right, we know they've gone to, we've had a bubble and a collapse in the real estate market. But if you yank that bubble out of our recent history, right, how many of us would have thought that housing is a volatile asset class? Yeah, right. But certainly prices change from moment to moment. Right. You know, from month to month. or We just had no way of knowing, really, until you actually went through the process of doing the work on the recent sales. And, and if you were putting up your house for sale, you'd you know, have to have somebody come in and kind of look at what you did to it and all these kinds of things. Where in the last couple decades here, you've got this phenomenal amount of information at your fingertips. And again, the studies have shown that that access to that information, access to um, pools of investments, these money, these mutual fund marketplaces where you can trade for free. Mm-hmm. So now the current trend is the free ETF trading programs. Yeah. Um, it's great to keep those costs down, but th- what's interesting to see is that the, that didn't enhance the returns of individual investors. And in many cases, the lower commission t- trading coming down and access to the data, right. getting unlimited 
not only just real-time quotes are getting, um, you know, level two and three quotes, inside quotes, all that kind of stuff. It's not enhancing anyone's return. And in fact, a lot more people blew up that were day trading during, you know, the, the tech boom. Sure. Um, probably then in, in recent market declines. Yeah. So I also was thinking about this. You know, the media also has a, a role to play in this. They when you read things on Are they dastardly characters? Well they they need you to, to buy the magazine and to, to buy the magazine they need you to pay attention to what they're saying. Or if it's the magazine or the internet or whatever source. <laughs> it's basically right though. And in, in a lot of a lot of ways, a lot of a lot of cases here, perception can be reality, right? Or perception is what you receive reality to be. Right, in yeah. this case. So if you think you hear you hear a little place that it is more volatile, that things are going up and down way more than in the past, this is way some, very much something new that we're experiencing now. You're, you're likely to believe that, even though it may or may not be true. So the solution I think is you have to put in place, um, again, all these behavioral finance studies say that you've got to put things in, in place to protect yourself from making irrational, uh, emotion-based decisions that aren't in your financial best interest. So one of the key pieces of advice that I would take away from this, if you perceive the market's riskier than ever before or more volatile, and now you have the data that, well, no, that's not true, uh, is that you don't look at your investments on a day-to-day basis. we got to take a break. We'll come back talk about this more. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network we spend 70 percent of our week in the office what is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it the number one motivator is a positive work environment and that's where real recognition radio comes in Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investor Radio co-host Ethan Broga alongside Ken Smith here today. Uh, let me, let's get our, give out our contact information a little more before we, uh, we go on for the rest of the show here. Uh, again, you can reach us at uh, via email at contact at empiradio.com or here uh, live in the studio at 866-472-5790. And I really have to get a copy of those sound effects. Um, I was thinking next, guys. Oh, we also have a special Hello, guest who's in the studio. Around, everyone. Uh, Stephen Gouchard, who is our investment analyst here at Empirical Wealth Management and uh, CFA. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I think he prefers Guichard. Sorry, Steve. Is that right? Whatever you want to call me, I'll handle. All right. <laughs> I appreciate your flexibility. Um, Just hey. don't call him Shirley. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to uh, another topic, I, I had one more thing, fellas, if you don't mind. I was... Um, the data for the cost of college education has been updated. Came out today. Got, yeah. got an alert. Um, it comes from the trends in college pricing in 2011. Um, and you can visit this yourself if you like. You can go to www.collegeboard.com/trends for uh, to read the full report. But in essence, uh, we have the inflation data. How much tuition has increased, and other things relative to college expenses have increased over the last year. Uh, it looks like for for public colleges, for in-state students. Uh, Tuition and fees increased an average eight point three percent over the last year, which is pretty significant. How much was that? Eight point three percent. Wow! In one year, which is obviously much higher than the standard rate of uh, inflation, which I think was about three and three quarters, if I remember correct, right around there. Anyway, so now the the, the total for um, for a year of tuition and, and fees is eight thousand two two hundred and forty four dollars. So significantly more than just uh, a year ago. Uh, room and board also increased, increased an average of, of 4%. So not as big a deal as the uh, tuition and fees, but still significant. And now the total cost for uh, public education. I'm just going to keep on going, irrelevant of the... Uh, That's what we expect you to do. Be a professional. <laughs> the crazy sound effects. In Be back. a professional. Uh, to a full cost of $21,447. And I remember when I went to school... I was just telling Simon before the show started. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I went to Washington State University, and I was paying for all in probably 12 grand a year. That was back in 1972. No, I'm kidding. 1991, I think it was. Uh, but yeah, significantly more money now, and I'm pretty sure I can't handle the sound effects any longer. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have any comments on that. Is that a result of uh, state government deficits? Do you think? Uh, I'm sure that's true, right? Uh, a lot of the the funding for Public education, college is, is due to the state, and they had obviously all, all the states are going through a bit of a budget crisis, and, and Washington State's no exception to that as well. And I was hearing that uh, there's not a, expected to be a dramatic increase in like grants over the next few years either. Oh, is that so, right? So um, mm-hmm. that really what was ex- uh, expected would be uh, more debt. And they were saying that as the price of tuition has gone up, 
in recent years, the amount of student debt has gone up proportionally with those increases. Yep. So that makes sense. Um, and that is uh, the one of the debts that cannot be exonerated through a bankruptcy situation. That's correct. It will track you like a bloodhound. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you borrow the money for student loans, you're you're expected to pay those back. So um, it's well, a good idea, I guess. What I'm saying um, to uh, oh, there he is. It's a good idea to uh, to plan ahead. And what's the worst case if you did put a savings program together, Ethan, and took advantage of uh, a combination of buckets, maybe one being a 529, which has some tax preferential treatment, um, or just putting it into a separate account designated for earmarked, categorized, bucketed, whatever you want to call it, for right. an educational fund. Uh, what would be the worst case if you get to that period and the kid gets a scholarship or winds up getting some other kind of a... Oh, well, in case of the 529 situation... Or doesn't the, go. Yeah, the case of the 529 situation, uh, if you don't actually end up using the funds for educational purposes, uh, you'll, you'll pay tax on the, the growth piece of, of the account, and then also there'll be a... a Which isn't bad, well. right? Because you yeah. would have paid tax anyway. Yeah. It isn't an enormous setback relative to just having things in a taxable account, although it's probably slightly less efficient, I'd guess. There's a penalty. Yeah, 10% penalty. Yeah, but it uh, could, be, could be much worse. You could also change beneficiaries, too, like other family members, uh, nephews, nieces, cousins. Cousins? You're, perhaps even yourself. Maybe you want to go back to school, and, you know, so you could use the money for that. that I think Steve well. has a cousin. Yes, that's correct. There you have it. <laughs> Very good. Hey, one last thing on this college tuition thing, guys. For private colleges, the total average cost for a, a private college now is $42,000 a year. She seems nice. Which is up uh, about about 4% over last year. So. All right. so that's all I had on that, fellas. So I guess what I'm saying is if you need any help figuring out how much money to save, you could certainly email us or give us a call. We have calculators and tools and all that kind of jazz, and we'd love to talk to you about, um, we can do this on the show if anyone's sure. interested, uh, about the different types of savings vehicles. And exactly. There becomes a whole set of decisions to make about, well, should I be in the most conservative um, investment possible? You know, there's mm-hmm. the prepaid tuition programs that track along with the tuition, and at the rates that you're whipping out here if they were tracking along with those tuition increase rates it'd be a pretty good investment if you expected that to continue with no market volatility around those types of prepaid tuition programs yeah but they may have certain disadvantages as well so i wouldn't just dive into one simply out of fear or the fact that in recent times again don't don't uh sentence yourself to you know a, a long period of uh, a decision that's less than prudent because of what's happened in, in the very recent past. Yeah, there's so, a big problem with those too. I mean, yeah, what's like the for example, the, the GET program in Washington State, and, and there are others around the country. Right. You know, each state has, well, I think most states have their own you know, prepaid tuition program. Um, but a lot of those have gone, had trouble paying, paying the promised benefits, which oh, is no real surprise, boy. right? Yeah. Um, that's been a big issue here over the last several years as the financial crisis has, you know, manifested itself and, and hit states hard as well so there are potential downsides of that and i tend to favor a balanced approach to anything in life ethan you know in that way we're very similar i agree with that oh good good um 
Ethan, do you have any comments? I mean, uh, Stephen, do you have any comments about any of that? Uh, no. Good, good. Uh, you know, I had called Stephen here. He he just was strolling by. He had a important uh, CFA lunch that he was that he was working on. I think some kind of lunch, and it's you know it's part of the agenda. Um, so I I'm I'm glad you could swing by. But we were yeah, we were talking about. I was kind of perusing through this money magazine here, Ethan, and it says what to do with a thousand dollars now. And I know Ethan has his own ideas for that, but um, yeah, right, right? indeed, uh, I, I would. And thousand uh, dollars. That's yeah, that's a nice little chunk of change for no a doubt. guy like you. Um, he might go out and buy himself a new Armani suit or some <laughs> shoes for that. Uh, alligator skin boots. <laughs> I know he wears that kind of thing. Right. Belt buckle. <laughs> that's uh, my style. That's exactly right. But anywho, it's they were saying uh, in here. It says uh, what to do, uh, and it says one upgrade. Um, they were talking about a, a MacBook, by the way, Stephen. Uh, these laptops that are uh, an upgraded version of the MacBook Air. It's $999. Um, it's 11 inches, 2.5 pounds, less than 2.5 pounds, and um, apparently has a good firewall protection, better than a lot of the Windows operating systems. Not according to me, but according to uh, this guy here, Avi Rubin computer science uh, professional at John Hopkins University. And uh, his claim is that because Windows has a bigger market share, that's uh, a natural target for hackers. That's not really what I was all about. you have a comment about that, though, Steve? For... Oh, well, if you use Linux, Steve has a smaller target market. So There you have it. Can you get Apple so, products uh, with Linux? No. So, Fair enough. Anyway, he says, want to upgrade that MacBook, um, get a better credit card was one of their ideas. It says... Um, sign up for the Chase Freedom card here. It says chase.com freedom, which offers $200 cash back after you make a $500 purchase in your first three months, Ethan. I can't believe that. Um, which for a guy like you, I don't think you'd make it out of this evening, you know, before you rang up 500 bucks the first three months. We got a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, just for our audience, I'm, I, I'm just kidding. We all live very meagerly here. We're not the corporate fat cats that you see um, limoing in and out of work. But uh, so we're looking to scrape and scrounge every penny, just like everyone else out there. There's only one minute left for this segment. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Minute. Anyway, Steve, we got one minute. Uh, this card it gives you, uh, after that, you get uh, 1% cash back. On all of the purchases, 5% in common categories that apparently rotate. And I know Simon said he has this card. But Steve has a different card, and I was just doing a poll. Which one do you have real quick, Steve? When we come back, you can give the full. Uh, the Capital One uh, World Master card. I said, what's in Steve's wallet? I love those commercials, Steve. They're pretty funny. Yeah. the Vi- Do they still do the Vikings? You know where they have, like, the Vikings showing up? I've seen or... the Vikings before. That's do we, are we, is it break time yet? I think it's probably 30 That's seconds. That's the time. I'm I got to take a breather. Huh? <laughs> 30 seconds. Okay, so Steve, we got 30 seconds. Oh, now I hear the tunes. So when we come back, I thought we could just talk about what you're getting in that card and then what I get. And then we could talk a little bit about the danger of you know switching around from credit card to credit card too frequently and some tips on that. I think that sounds excellent. Sounds pretty good. We'll sounds be, awesome. Yeah, we'll be right back.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio, our last segment of the day. Again, we are uh, broadcasting live at the in downtown Seattle, the Empirical Tower. If you want to give us get a hold of us, there is no Empirical Tower, by the way. If you want to get a hold of us, it's 866-472-5790. And uh, you can shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com. What do you got, Ethan? Hey, is it, would it be inappropriate to, uh, of course it would. to solicit um, you yeah. know, a phone call or an email and offer cash prizes? Cash prizes. That, you can't do that. You can't do that? So free, free books are okay, but no cash prizes. Can you do that? How about coupons? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I actually want yeah, somebody no. to call What, what, you, what will you do? How much will you be willing to pay? I mean, I, I don't want to break any we laws or so. We will pay you to call us. Right. I don't know, maybe um, uh, free email. Because the educational books aren't helping. Apparently no one wants those. Okay. You're going to give them what? $100? Sure. Are you going to give them $100? $100 out of Ethan's Now, assuming that's, uh, we go on the free compliance and that's okay, I would do that. If he, it's not okay, he, uh, I'm not going to. He is a corporate fat cat. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. We're kidding around. No $100 offer. I, I was just trying to get some people motivated to call. And I'm not sure what else to do, what else to offer. So I was hoping maybe you guys could help me with that, but it sounds like you uh, Well, if Jamie's listening, she could run down here. She's our compliance officer. Um, have her run down here and let us know if we can do that. All right. I'd be happy to do it. All right. I just wanted to see if we can spice things up a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, why don't you tell us about uh, what's in your wallet? Well, you know, I was thinking maybe before I go yeah. on about how great my credit card is, we could maybe talk about um, – credit card rewards programs and how they may be appropriate for some people and not for others. Sure. Um, I like that. I get a little worried talking about how all these benefits you can get from a credit card when uh, some people might write up a credit card balance and not be able to pay it off at the end of the month and um, rack up interest rate charges or late fees, which might negate all the, the rewards you're getting. Sure. So I just want to put a little disclaimer saying that 
you should probably only search for a credit card with a rewards program if you're able to pay off the balance every month. If not, maybe you should uh, use a debit card or cash or checks. Or prepaid cards. Prepaid cards. Maybe. That's a way of uh, building up your credit if you've been through some difficulties in the past. Maybe maybe it wasn't even you. Maybe you were hooked up with a, a, a partner, spouse, or whatever that didn't have great credit. I know we've done some Seattle Times uh, financial makeovers, and that was the case in one of our makeovers was the um, the nice lady had personally been very financially responsible, but her, her previous spouse, before they were divorced, uh, ran up a bunch of cards and wasn't paying things, and it wound up damaging her credit, and... Certainly, that was one idea. Is you know, start with some prepaid credit to mm. establish that you can handle that. And I agree with everything you're saying. I don't know if you have any comments about that, Ethan. I I, I think that um, strictly going after spending a lot of time and resources chasing credit card deals is probably not the way I would. My primary strategy of building wealth over over the long run. Yeah, sure. If you're going to be carrying yeah. a, carrying a balance, the thing that matters most is what the rate of, rate rate of interest is, probably right. Sure. So if if that would, if you're going to go into carry a balance, that would probably be the most important thing to look at, and probably get that as low as you possibly could, regardless of what rewards they're going to offer. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wouldn't be tempted to uh, purchase items in order to rack up benefits. Um, on a credit card. So I don't, there's been studies about that, right? If you have cash in your pocket relative to the ability or access to use credit, people tend to spend more or at least more willingly spend on things that maybe they wouldn't have spent on if they actually had to whip out the hard, cold cash. Right. Um, and a, there's been a variety of behavioral studies on the effect of cash versus other forms or transactions that are one to several notches away from cash and how it affects our and changes our thinking. So certainly probably one of the reasons why retailers agree to pay the outrageous fees that they are charged credit cards. And Steve, you and I were talking about that, right? That it's kind of interesting because we all bear a higher cost ultimately for, you know, we're all excited to get a certain percentage of cash back or airline miles that we in most cases, can't use when we want to use them. Um, <laughs> right, right. That's been my personal frustration and experience with a lot of these systems. Um, but really, society as a whole, we're all bearing a cost because it's not coming free. It's not that the credit card companies are out of the goodwill or generosity of their hearts are saying, hey, we're just going to give people money. Um, they're pretty um, safe, but the retailers are, are being charged, and then therefore we're all paying higher costs for goods and services. Hmm. I don't know what you, what do you think about that, Steve? Uh, yeah, I think I read somewhere that the retailers will pay what's called interchange fees to the, the credit card processing companies and banks of like 1% to 3%. And what's interesting is uh, certain cards actually charge the retailers more. So um, if you whip out a, a fancy corporate rewards card, a uh, retailer <laughs> might actually be unhappy because they might have to pay 3% versus 2% or 1% versus something else. And now uh, debit cards are actually quite cheap for the retailers. So we might see more retailers preferring that people pay with a debit card rather than a credit card. And that was it's interesting, the timing, because I just had hmm. read that uh, Bank of America is backing down from they were going to charge, uh, I think it was $5 per transaction on debit card charges. It was per month or something, I think. Um, some charge related to, yeah, yeah, if you use it, 
then you get hit with that fee right within that month i guess you could say um but any who's it's i i think there's a bigger if if you're pursuing these reward cards um you might be losing money in the end because you're now spending money on stuff just because like there has to be some reason and and simon i know you're not next to the mic but uh, maybe you know, Steve, where they say common use categories like dining, gas, groceries, they get 5% cash back at times. Hmm. So you're saying when it's the, the dining month, you might go crazy at the restaurant just so you get your 5%. Right. Which might not be the ultimate best use of your money, all things considered. Yeah, would you, say, would you spend a, a dollar to save 5 cents? Well, you're should I get an extra glass of champagne? <laughs> Do you get champagne coolies? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> But your point is you're still net out 95 cents in that situation. So, I mean, typically it's kind of like the tax thing. You know, do I want to spend the dough to get the tax deduction? Well, you're still spending more money net of the tax deduction anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to make sure you're doing things for the right reasons. Yeah, that's a good point. Sure, uh, champagne. Um, okay, Steve. So on your card, you were just saying it's it's an interesting scheme they have. Uh, yeah, when you're um, looking at reward programs uh, – um, what you want to do is figure out what, what percentage of your money are you getting back in cash and rewards. And um, a lot of times you'll see around 1% is probably a, a standard number of what you get back. Right. And uh, a lot of credit card companies make it as complicated as possible, so you actually it's very difficult to calculate that number. But what you can do is look at the rewards program and see maybe there's an item on there like a airplane ticket or a digital camera, something that interests you, and actually calculate uh, how many points that costs and then figure out how many dollars you have to spend to get those points, and then you can actually see what that percentage number is. And so I like I like my card because uh, if I do spend my points on uh, travel, it works out to be about two percent. Um, wow, that's a good deal, Steve. So yeah, it's it's higher than a lot of them. Um, and the other reason I like it is because it has uh, it doesn't they don't charge international transaction fees, which uh, as far as I know, an, you're an international man of mystery. <laughs> I do Traveling like to travel. around. Yeah. As far as I know, um, Capital One's the only company that doesn't charge international transaction fees. So, wow, that's, oh, that's pretty good deal. Pretty nice. I like that. So, we're running out of time here, but one quick tip would be: we were talking with Simon about this. Is I've had the same credit card company um, for 20 years now. I was in high school when I got my first credit card, and I've, I'm just a solid, committed kind of guy, Ethan. And uh, I've had that credit history. Why are you laughing at me, dude? Yeah, yeah, I've had that for 20 years, and I'm reluctant to change it just to get a better, you know, a couple extra shekels at the end of the year on a on a on a deal. Yeah. Because when you do that, you start your credit history over again. So that's going to affect your credit score if all you have is a recent credit card. So you want to be cognizant of that. I see. And um, and also not open a bunch and have a high just a large amount of credit because when you go to get loans and things it could affect you that's all the time we have we've jam-packed a variety of juicy nuggets in one show ethan wow but we will have more next week uh live from seattle sounds good it's like the fraser show here um okay well thank you very much we'll see you next week thanks steve thanks Thanks,
We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.